somebody. From, from uh, back there, <laughs> I have a hand on the top of a head. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord, we've already had a powerful time of prayer. We have taken authority over every type of sickness from the top of the head to the soles of the feet. We've commanded them to be broken. We've uh, called for supernatural recoveries uh, and divine creative miracles, outstanding healings taking place. Um, the Lord reminded me this morning, he said, "You've not, y'all have not been declaring what I told you to declare uh, so let me just declare it. Welcome to Disciples House, a word where the Word and the Spirit come together to reveal the power of God. Amen. That's part of what we are called. That's part of our, if you would, our mission statement is to operate by the Word and operate by the Spirit so that the power of God may be revealed to a lost and dying world. Um, uh all you got to do is spend about five minutes looking at the world, and you'll figure out that the devil's power is on full display. Uh, you can see his power. Now, you might not see the fullness of his power, and the devil does, Satan does. The fallen angel known as Lucifer, uh, when he was in heaven before he fell, um, does have spiritual power. Why does he have spiritual power? Well, he has spiritual power because he's a spiritual being, and he, and he was there when the word was written. He was there when spiritual power was put into place, and he knows how to use it and how to operate it. And he'll use it and he'll operate it uh, to deceive and to steal, kill, and destroy people's lives. He's using spiritual power to corrupt the kingdom of to, to corrupt God's people here on the earth. He's not corrupting the heaven, but he's corrupting the earth, and he's doing everything he can to bring the earth into total destruction, which is why we have to learn the word, and this is also why the Bible says that God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, yep. a lack of understanding, a lack of, of realizing that you are not just human, but you are being, you are spirit, and, there are, and, and that we too have spirit power, but our spirit power is in and through the name of Jesus. Um, well, Pastor, that's what you kind of taught us this morning. Well, are you teaching the same thing? No, but the two sermons are definitely going to be directly uh, linked together. Directly linked together. Um, so the title tonight is Eat, Speak, and Be Healed. Eat, Speak, and Be Healed. Um, and uh, so, so that's what we're going to talk about. And I want to talk about, uh, for just a moment, a, a uh, lady known by, the name as, known by the name of Lillian B. Yeomans. Lillian B. Yeomans. Her last name is spelled Y-E-O-M-A-N-S. Lillian was born, lived from 1861... 1861, so she was around during the revivals 
of the early of the late 1800s and the early 1900s. So she was around in the day of uh, Azuzu Street and the, the the Wales revivals and the and, and the great and she was alive to 1942. And so she she departed the earth kind of right at the beginning of the healing revivals of the 1940s. She she went on home to glory. I shouldn't say she died. She went home to glory. Now, um, and she, she I've referred to her in ministering um, quite a few times. Uh, one of the times that you'll remember me referring to her is she was uh, on the sick bed one time. And she was in the hospital, and she asked the Lord, uh, she had a really bad fever, and she had asked the Lord about healing, why her healing had not come, why the fever had not broken. And immediately she was swept into the spirit, and in the spirit she saw um, scales, like the judgment scales. She saw like the weighted scales where you've got a plate or a dish on this side and a plate or dish on this side, and and depending on what you put on the scales, would show you, like, what was, and that was how they weighed things. So she she saw this scale, and on the scale, uh, on one side of the scale was the sickness, and it, and, and, and the weight, and the, the sickness, the, the, the plate that the sickness was on was heavy. It, it, that was the, the heavier thing, the stronger thing, the weightier thing, and, and then on the other scale, the one that was showing to be light, uh, there was just a few little things on that tray. And so she asked the Lord, she said, Lord, what is that? He said, uh, the heavier weighter thing is the fever, the sickness. The other side of the scale is your praise. And he said, when your praise, in the middle of a fever, he said, when your praise outweighs your sickness, your healing will manifest, okay? So I've talked about her that way before because that's how much you, because one of the ways that you can get healed is by praising Jesus. One of the ways that you can stay healed is by singing praises to Jesus. But we're not talking about that necessarily tonight, but it applies. So I, I, I wanted to find out some more about her, so I got a book. It's actually, I mean, I don't care to show it to you. I mean, everybody can benefit it benefit from it is this book his healing power and in this book are four books written by her it, it, during her time but so she she was an actual md she was an actual md uh she went according to her writing she went to the school she went to the medical school of um up here in michigan it's in here somewhere but the school in michigan uh, that's still there today. Um, it's in here. But she lists the school she went to, and it doesn't matter. But she was a well-educated doctor of her day, was my point. She was an MD. She was a well-educated doctor of her day. What I did not know and what I was shocked to find out um, about her is that she had an extreme, extreme addiction to morphine and to oh help me michael oh chloral chloral uh which as you in read this case, her i'm thing, not saying c-h-l-o-r-a-l 
Uh, and basically, she says in her writing that this, this is basically the drug that's known as the knockout drug. Okay, yeah, so, yeah. and, and she goes in here, and if you have a doctor degree, she goes in here and she tells you how much, now this is back in the day, she tells you how bad her addiction was. She said, my dose, and, you, and you're saying, well, I don't have a drug addiction. Her but ordinary healing, dose, yeah. But, her, but, but addiction, you know, sickness is sickness, and addiction is a sickness. And she said, my ordinary dose of the drug varied, now she's talking morphine, from 10 to 14 grains a day. I thus took regularly about 50 times the normal dose for an adult man. That's pretty serious. That's a lot. That's a lot. She said, I also took coral hydrate, you were right, a most deadly drug used by criminals in, in the concoction of the so-called knockout drops. Taking 120 grains in two doses of 60 grains at an interval of one hour each night at bed. The safe dose of coral, and then she makes a notation, indeed there is no safe dose in my opinion, is, the, is uh, only about five grains. I regularly took about 24 times what would be prescribed by a doctor, regularly. And she lived this way for years. That's the whole thing about this. She said in this, in this account, she says uh, that, that uh, she said this, let me see, read this, and she said, out of the depths he lifted me, talking about Jesus. Abyss calls to abyss, deep answers to deep. Only those who know what it is to be bound as I was, captive of the mighty, the prey of the terrible, will be able to understand how great was the deliverance which God wrought in me when he set me completely free from the great, from the from degrading. the degrading bondage of morphine and chloroquine habits uh, to which I have been slave for years, sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, bound and afflicted and iron, and I, bound in affliction and iron, I cried unto the Lord in my trouble, and he saved me out of my distress, brought me out of darkness and the shadow of death, and broke my bands asunder. Uh, do not think that I have. Do you not think that I have reason to praise and glorify with every breath our all-conquering Jesus? That was the opening to this book, and she goes on and she talks about how this demon tormented her, and she talked about how she had tried at least fifty. She said I made at least fifty-seven desperate attempts to break the addiction or break the sickness, break the bondage over through her own will, might, and power. And she failed every time. And she goes on to say, I failed every time because there was a demon behind it. She says, she, in here she says, I thought that I was playing with the drugs, but I soon found out that the demon 
behind the drugs worth playing with me. That's what she said. Deception, deception. Then she went on to say, and I, this I did, not under, I, I did not realize, but this will give you an understanding of the darkness of this. She said, perhaps many of us know The Raven, that weird poem of Edgar Allan Poe. The author, though he has been called the Prince of American Poets, perished miserably at a very early age as the result of, addi of addictions such as mine. In this poem, he represents himself as an opening, opening. as opening his door to a black raven, a foul bird of prey. Once admitted, the raven resists all efforts to re to eject him and pr uh, perches himself on the on a marble bust over the entrance and gazes at the poet with the eyes of a demon. Each time he is, command, he is commanded to depart, each time the raven is commanded to depart, the raven croaks back in an, in, in, croaks back or croaks out these ominous words, nevermore, nevermore. I'll let you pick up reading from there. Okay. Um, but, but, but you read from, let's just, okay. let, let her speak for herself. So one of the poems, it says, Take thy break from out my heart, and thy form from off. Oh, beak. Take thy beak. Oh, sorry. Take thy beak from out thy out of my heart, and thy form from off my door. Quoth, quoteth the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas, just above my chamber door. And his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall, shall be lifted nevermore. The poem is a parable in which the writer tells of his cruel and hopeless bondage to evil habits. It used to haunt me when, when I too was bound, and again and again Satan whispered to my tortured brain the awful word, nevermore. I mean, so, so this gives you an, an idea of the addiction that she dealt with. Um, and, and then she goes over, and then she begins to talk about how she got set free. And she'll have people say, well, didn't you pray? And she said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I prayed to the point, she talks about she prayed to the point that uh, at one point, uh, she was sent to a sanitarium, um, and the doctors actually forbid her to stop taking the morphine and the drugs because when she would stop taking them, what her body would go through, it was actually better for her physically and mentally to be on the drugs than to come off of the drugs. So they told her, you're not allowed to come off of them. But meanwhile, she's being tormented. And so she said that she would walk the long halls of the sanitarium, the house for the, the mentally ill. And, and she said she would, walk the door, she would walk the halls and she would pray and pray and pray and pray with such fervency and pray with such desperation that at times she would even pull her hair out 
because she was desperate to quiet this demon in her mind. Now, we're talking healing, and you're saying, well, I don't have a demon to that issue. Well, that's good, but we all have sickness, and sickness can feel like a demon. It can be so torturous. Um, and, and so what she reveals in this is how she became free. And so she said, I did not get healed through prayer. I, it, it, it didn't come through prayer. It didn't come through people preaching. It didn't come through people um, uh, uh, laying hands on. It didn't come that way. And it definitely didn't come through just uh, self-will. What she goes on to say is, is that God delivered her by his own word, by his word. And I'm just summarizing at this point because of the sake of time. She said this, she said, and so people will ask her, because she's a, at this point she's a teacher, and people will ask her, what scripture did you get healed on? Because this is what people think. People think, well, if they got healed on that scripture, then that's what the scripture that will get me healed too. And she, and she said, honestly, she said, with everything in me, I want to look at them and say, I got healed on the book. I got healed on the book. I got healed on the book. And so she goes in and she says this. She says, let me find my spot. She says, I got healed on the book. And she talks about, yeah, it's got to find my spot. In fact, we'll just read here. If anyone asks, and she'll, she'll explain what she wants to say to them about that. If anyone asks by what special scripture verse I was healed, I feel as though I could almost say I was healed by the whole book. For it is there in Job the oldest book of the Bible that has a clear teaching on healing in the atonement as the word contains, Job 33:24. So let's look at that real quick, Job 33:24. Let's just look at that and see what it says. See, what we have to understand is that healing is found in every book of the Bible. Every book of the Bible. And in Job 33:24, the scripture reads, and he, being, Jesus, being the Father God, is gracious unto him and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. Basically, the Father God said, Send my word that I'm going to keep them from going down into the grave. I'm going to heal them because I have found someone that will pay the ransom for them. See, when we sin, we, we get taken hostage by Satan. We get taken hostage by demons. How much do you know? In this addiction, she was taken hostage by demons. How much do you know? If you're dealing with pain, chronic pain, you're taken hostage by your pain. If you're dealing with um, obesity and the ailments that come from obesity, how much do you know? You're, you're taken hostage by that. By your weight. Uh, by your weight. If you have a lung condition, a breathing condition, how much do you know? You're taken hostage by that. My grandmother was taken hostage by an aneurysm. 
I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating. She was literally taken hostage by an by a aneurysm. Uh, they they did a scan. They found that she had at that time what they called an inoperable triple A aneurysm. In other words, it was in the abdomen behind organs in a tough spot to get to. And because of her inability to take medications, they could not safely perform surgery. So when they found it, and they knew that that's what it was, the do her heart doctor, she's in there to find out the test results. Her heart doctor walks in the room and says, Lorraine, are you still driving? She said, yeah. He said, can I look at your driver's license? She said, okay. So she pulled out her driver's license and she handed it to him. And he pulled out a pair of scissors and cut it in half. And he said, so here's the situation. You have this aneurysm that at, at that point was more than half the size that they get to before they rupture, but wasn't at the rupturing point, but it was a pretty big one. And he said, here's the deal. You've got this aneurysm, and it could go at any time, and you're going to bleed out instantly. And if you're behind the wheel of a car, you could end up not just only you dying, but you could end up killing somebody, so you can't drive anymore. And then he proceeded to say, and if you have any stress in your life, that stress will cause that aneurysm to grow, and that'll pop, and that'll be it. So you just can't do anything that's going to cause you any stress. Well, great, I wasn't stressed out, but I am now, you know, hello. So my grandmother literally took this doctor, I mean, literally to the degree that she locked herself in her house and she wouldn't go anywhere. What did we deal with, her, with that for, what, two years? Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean... She literally stayed in her house because going out could have been too much stress and could have killed her. The, the point that she stayed in her house and wouldn't go anywhere, and she's very much so a social butterfly. So with no social interaction, she about lost her mind. So my grandfather said, Lorraine, this has got to stop, and got her out and got her about and got her back to drive and got her back to doing stuff, and guess what? She was 55 when that happened, and she lived to 82 years old. And when that thing got big, when that thing got so it got to 11 or 12 centimeters, got a little leak in it like a water balloon, and God supernaturally healed her, set her free of all of her medications. And, and, and the doctor said, well, we don't know what to do with her other than to send her home. So we were packing her up, sending her home. And, and she said, oh, no, I said I was going home to Jesus, so I'm going. And poof, she left, and there she is, and we'll see her in heaven. She'll meet us at the gates of glory, I guarantee you. You know, uh, she'll be part of the welcoming Probably party. Probably jumping up and down and clapping her hands. Clapping her hands, so I guarantee it. <laughs> but how much, you know, she was taken hostage. Taken hostage by sickness. Taken hostage by fear. But God came down and said, I have found a ransom for you. I found somebody that will pay the penalty for you. So you don't have to... You know, a lot of people will hold on to their sickness because they feel like they brought the sickness on themselves. Well, the truth is, is more than likely they probably did through sin, but Jesus paid the ransom. And that's what she was saying. So let's read on what she had to say. All right. So in, in Genesis, God made ma man as he wanted him, in his own image and likeness, even as to his physical being, free from every disability. You'll find healing in Exodus when the people of God marched out of Egypt. For in Psalms 105.37, we read that they marched out with not one feeble person among their tribes. Think of it. What a glorious procession 
How did they do it? Through the wonder-working power of the blood of the Passover lamb. The wonder-working power of the blood of the lamb. How much do you know the wonder-working power of the blood of the lamb is the blood of Jesus? That's how they walked out of Egypt. Do you understand there were hundreds of thousands of Jews that left, Israelites that left Egypt, and not a single one of them had a single ailment in their body? They had been slaves for 400 years. By all rights, they should have been very broken, very sickly, very malnourished. Uh, had all they should have. I mean, they they were slaves. They were had been whipped. It said there was not one feeble among them. Not one. All right. So read about it in Leviticus in the leper cleansing ceremony, where the leper, when he had not a spot or not a sound spot in his entire body was healed by the blood of the bird slain over running water in an earthen vessel, which is the a picture of Christ, or a type and shadow of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot unto God. In Numbers, every recorded case of sickness is dealt with by supernatural means. Prayer, sacrifice, and atonement. In Deuteronomy, God explicitly promised to take away all sickness from his obedient people. Deuteronomy 28. So the point that she's making is she got into the Word. And she studied the Word from Genesis. So the healing delivered manifestation took place. She got into the Word and she looked at every healing and every healing and every healing and every healing. Does, she doesn't say if she got if she had to go all the way to the book of Revelations. She doesn't say how far she got in, but she got she 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 got into the Word, and she studied the Word, and she meditated on the Word. She fed on the Word, and the Word broke the bondage of that demon of addiction. If we'll get into the Word, if we'll study the Word, meditate on the Word get the word down on the inside of us, it will break whatever bondage of sickness is in your body. I want you to go to um, Jeremiah 16.16. Because I said, we're going to talk tonight about eat, speak, and be healed. Eat, speak, and be healed. So go to Jeremiah 16. Uh, Lillian... Uh, Yeoman received healing by eating the word, by feeding upon the word. Jeremiah 16. Jeremiah 16. And verse 16. And verse 16 reads as follows. Are you there, Jeremiah 16? Yeah, they said 16. amen. Very good. Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall eat, or, and they shall fish them. Oh, wait. I'm sorry, 1516. I wrote it down wrong. Oh, okay. 1516. All right. One chapter different. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord, God of hosts. Notice he says that this is what Jeremiah the prophet said. Now, if you read up here above this, the Lord's like, these people are a problem. And Jeremiah responds to the Lord, and he says, Lord, look at verse 15. He says, O Lord, thou knowest, remember me and visit me, 
and revenge me of my persecutors. Take me not away in thy long suffering. Know that for thy sake I have suffered rebuke. And then Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is pleading his case to the Lord. He said, Lord, your words I have found, and I did eat them. I remember being. I remember when we first came in, uh, into to back to Christ after 12 years of being out of the, out of out of fellowship with God, and I found out. I found this wonderful uh, teacher, very easy understood teacher of the Word, by the name of Joyce Myers. She was very, very, very skilled, very good at the Word. Um, and really what she, how she was teaching is she was basically going around telling everybody what she did to recover her life. That's really what she did. And I remember very distinctly one of the first sermons I ever remember hearing from her that stood out to me is she said, I found the scripture that she said, I was so hungry because I was so broken and, so, and had so much sickness she had a lot of emotional sickness in her life because of the things that she had endured. And she said, I was so broken, and I so desperately wanted to be fixed, or I so desperately wanted to be healed, and I knew that God was my answer. And I knew that I was supposed to be a doer of the word. And she said it this way. She said, to show you how messed up I was in my thinking. Excuse me. I had a dry throat. Excuse me. She said, she said, this is, she said, I was so messed up in my thinking, and I took the word of God very literal. If the word said, the word said, be a doer of the word, so whatever the word told me to do, I did it. She said, and then I came across this verse that said, um, go to the, verse 16, that said, I found thy words, and I did eat them. She said this. She said, I would take scriptures. She said, I'd be reading my Bible, and she said, I found a scripture that was a promise, or that, that I was like, ooh, that applies to me. And she said she would cut it out of her Bible, and she would literally eat the word. That might be going a bit far. She would literally eat the word. Well, we all go, oh, wow. But she was saying she was so desperate for healing. She was so desperate for change. She was so desperate, and she was very literal-minded. She didn't understand that the Word of God is alive and that it's spiritual. And so she said, it said, I found thy Word. Here's my Bible. I found it, and I did eat. She was hungry for the Word. She took it literal. And notice what this says. There's a semicolon which says, Here's the rest of the thought. When you take the word and you eat it spiritually, when you will take it and get it down on the inside of you, down into your spirit, he said, thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I, called, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. When you get the word of God, when you find the truths of God, and you get them out of your head and down into your spirit, they will bring you to a place of joy and rejoicing. How much you need? How much you know? When you get healed, especially if you get healed of something the doctors have said there's no cure for, how much do you know when you get healed, when that sickness no longer has any authority, power, might, or dominion over your body, that you will have great joy and rejoicing? Great joy and rejoicing. Go to Ezekiel. 
Let's back this up. Go to Ezekiel uh, chapter uh, 2. Ezekiel chapter 2, it's head towards, head towards the New Testament, and you'll find it along the way. It's right after the book of Jeremiah. Ezekiel chapter 2, and uh, we're going to start right here. The very end of verse 4 says, Thus saith the Lord God. So God is fixing to has just said something, and he's fixing to say something more. Let's see what he has to what what has what they're saying here. Thus saith the Lord God, and they whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house, yet shall know that there hath been a prophet among them. Remember, Ezekiel was a prophet, just like Jeremiah. He was sent to the people of Israel because this is Old Testament. And Israel was rebelling against God. Israel were not being doers of the word. They were going off and doing their own thing, and they were bringing themselves into bondage. And God said, I'm going to send you a prophet to these people. Look at what he says. And thou, son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words. Though bear th through briars and thorns be with thee, and though and thou dost dwell among scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. How much do you know? The Christians today are afraid of people's looks. They're afraid of their words. They're afraid of the things that they would say, and and, and that fear has caused them to be silent. How much do you know? This it's not a new tactic. It's not a, what we're going through today is not a new tactic. God, God's people have gone through this time and time and time and time and time again. And this cycle is going to continue until Jesus returns. But this is what he said to his, to his prophets. And thou shalt speak my words unto them. Pause, because the Holy Spirit just said, said it. Let me explain. Old Testament prophet was the man or woman of God, prophet or prophetess, was a man or a woman that the anointing of God, the power of God, the Holy Ghost was on, was on. Now, we don't have prophets that, that follow under that single distinction anymore. I mean, the prophets today, the, the power of God is on them, or in them. In them. Um, and, and the prophet in the Old Testament was the only way for the people, if, if Zach wanted to hear from God, if Zach wanted to communicate with God, he had he'd to go, have to, to, go to the prophet to do that. In the New Testament, <clears throat> because of Jesus, we can go directly to God ourselves, so we don't need the prophet in that role. Yeah, we've but got the, the Holy Spirit. the prophet still operates today because the prophet still declares what the Lord is declaring for this day and this hour. The prophet helps us to stay out of the hands of false teachers. If they're a right and proper, proper prophet. All right. Verse 7. And thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. For they are most rebellious. I didn't finish my point. I'm sorry. I didn't finish my point. Old Testament prophet, the Spirit was on them. New Testament, we as believers, the Spirit is in us. So though we are not prophets, we do have the Spirit. So we can. So the principle here can be applied to us. He's not speaking to us, but we can apply the principle to us. Gotcha. There we go. All right, so verse 8. 
But thou, son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like that rebellious house. Open thy mouth and eat what I give thee. <laughs> what did he say? He said, don't be rebellious. He said, open your mouth and eat. How do you eat? You meditate. You open your mouth, right? It, we, you know, we all had lunch today, right? How did we put food in? Opened our mouth. We opened our mouth. We put something in it. We chewed on it. We processed it. And then we swallowed it. And then we did the next bite. And then we did the next bite. How do you eat spiritually? You put the word in your mouth. You, you chew it. You meditate on it. You walk it. You, you go over it and over it. You swallow it. And then you take another bite. You eat spiritually just, uh, spiritually, just like you eat physically. So how far off was uh, Sister Joyce Myers? Not far. She had the right concept. Just she had the concept of get the word down on the inside. She was just trying to get it down into the physical stomach when she needed to try to get, when what she needed to do was get it down in the spiritual stomach. Yes. That was the difference. All right. Verse 9. And when I looked, behold... We missed the point. He said, open thy mouth, eat that I give you. Don't eat what Satan gives you. Eat what I give you. Don't eat what the world gives you. Eat what I give you. That's what he said. As I said earlier today, we're living in a cesspool. Right. Don't drink the Don't water. drink the water or the Kool-Aid. Right. We have eternal water. We have living water. Right. right here in front of us to, to drink. Right. All right. <clears throat> that was given to us. And when I looked, behold, a hand was sent unto me. And lo, a roll of a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without. And there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. What was this? A hand. Now, now, some people say, well, that's, that's just spiritual. No, this physically happened. This physic Ezekiel is communing with God, having a conversation with God, and a hand, just a hand, shows up with a scroll in it. And the hand rolls out the scroll, and there's writing on both sides. And what's the, what's the writing? The writing is the Word of God. The Word of God. He, so how much do you know? He said... Eat what I give you. And then a hand showed up, and it was scripture that the Lord gave him, supernaturally. Basically, ba basically, there was an angel standing before Ezekiel with a scroll in his hand while God's talking to him. And, and what happened was God pulled back the veil between the natural and the supernatural, and what came through the veil was the angel's hand, because they're special messengers of God. And so that's why he only saw the hand, because that was the only thing that the Lord allowed him to see. But there was an angel attached to the hand, and in the hand was the Word of God. That's, that's what was attached to the hand. It wasn't a creepy thing like the Adams family. There was an angel, the Lord just allowed him to see only the hand. All right. And there was written therein lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said unto me, son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. 
What did he say? He said, take it and eat it. He told him twice to eat it, did he not? Yes. He told him twice. He said, he said um, eat what you have found, eat what's been revealed to you, and eat this roll and go and speak unto the house of Israel. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to continually feed on, on the, the word, word and get it into us so that we can go speak. Go speak. Go speak. When, when, when do you need to speak? We're talking about healing. How much do you know? You need the word in you so that when sickness attacks, the word is in you because, so that, because you're on the go. Sickness attacks. You need to be able to speak. Bam. Get it in you. Not once. Eat it continually. Keep going. All right. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. What did he... I mean, God is just really drawing this picture. He's saying, son, put this in your mouth. Keep putting it in your mouth. Keep putting it in your mouth. Sounds a whole lot like meditation. Keep putting the word in your mouth. Keep, and notice it said, and God caused me to eat. How does the word get in your spirit? As you eat it, as you speak it, as you say it, God as you study causes it. it to get down into your spirit. The spirit brings revelation to it. I love Brother Mari. I, I love it when he does this to me. He, he, I can tell when he's gotten a revelation because he'll come quickly to the pulpit. Quickly. Like, I mean, like, I'm like, you're dismissed. And he's like, here he is. And immediately when he does that, I know that God has revealed something to him. Immediately. And I, and I mean, he was about where Jackie is. I said, Brother, what you got? He said, oh, I, I got I to get it. And he come up to me and he said, look at this scripture. I said, okay. He said, I have read this scripture I don't know how many times. I've read it a lot, a lot of times. And I said, cool. He said, but right here it says that, he said, right here in Mark, Mark is writing this, Mark said, and I saw him sitting on the throne of God. He says, does that not mean that Mark got to see in the spirit? And I said, that's exactly what it means. He goes, that's the spirit. He said, that's the gift of seeing and knowing, is it not? And I said, yeah. He said, oh, I just love that gift. <laughs> I just love that gift. And I said, I know you do, brother. How much? He said, I've read that scripture, and I've read that scripture. and I've, In other words, I've eaten that scripture, and I've eaten that scripture, and I've eaten that scripture, and I've eaten that scripture. Every time you read it, you eat it. I've, re I've eaten it, and I've eaten it, and eaten it, and all of the sudden, it hit sweet as honey. All of the sudden, it, eat, it hit sweet as honey. And he's, oh, I just, oh, that's it. That's that gift in operation. All right, let's read just a little bit more. And he said unto me, son of man, go, get thee into the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. Now, the, now, we don't go to the house of Israel and speak because that's who, because he was speaking to them under the Old Testament, and we're not in the prophet's office. But the principle, get the word in you and speak the word. Get it in you and speak. Eat, 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 and then speak. Let's go to Matthew. Now, now how, much are we supposed to, how much are we supposed to eat? How much are we supposed to meditate on this? 
Now, if you go with the rules of eating, how many times are we supposed to chew our food? 32, 32 times. times. a bite. For, per bite. So 32 times. So that's at least that. Now, if you go with, with, if you go with medical school, how, Miss Kathy, how, how long do you have to study to be a doctor? Years. Twelve years. Minimum. Altogether, you're, that you're studying and studying and studying and getting the, the medical knowledge into you, which is, which is a different type of word, but it's, you're getting it into you so that you can practice medicine, so that when you go out into the world, you, you, you're going to regurgitate what, what was fed into you. That's right. You know? you're have and it in it's the, the same principle here, only in this case, we're, we're eating the words of God so that we can regurgitate bad choice of words, but regurgitate them to other people right. so that so they will get the word so and they'll get the message. It. We'll use that word. We'll declare it. How much do you know? The education system, like what he's talking about, is based on the principles found in the Bible. Repeat it. Repeat it. It, it Repeat used it. to be anyway. Do it over. Do it over. Do it over. The basic principles of education are still rooted in the Bible. They learn. Repeat it. They learn. The Bible says meditate how often? Daily. Day, Day and, and night. night. Day and night. So never let this word come out. So we should constantly be eating spiritual food. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. So I, we've drilled this point. We've got to eat the word. Not, I think we got that. Don't cut your Bible <laughs> up and swallow the scripture. Oh, no. Don't do that. Um, you know, I understand you may be hungry for the word, but that's not necessary. Um, but feed on it, speak it, meditate on it, declare it, claim it, you know, do that. I bet now, you'd have to chew that more than 32 times. Well, I don't know. I, honestly, honestly, if somebody would just declare the word 32 times a day, I guarantee you we'd start to see power move. Amen. Most, peri most people won't claim it once in, three, in 32 days. Holy Ghost. Where are we at in 16? <laughs> Matthew 16. And I don't have, for a second time, I don't have to tell you everything that's happening here. But basically, Jesus asked his disciples, who do the people say I am? Yep. In and verse some 15. people said, well, some people think you're a prophet. Some people think you're Elijah. Some people think you're Moses. Some people think you're crazy. Uh, some people think that you're a lunatic. Some people think that you're of the devil doesn't say all of that, but you, we, we know that that's what they thought of him. Uh, in, it doesn't say that specifically in the scripture, but we know that. And then he finally got over, and then Jesus finally said to Peter, but Peter, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, verse 16, thou art the, you, thou art the Christ or the Messiah the son of the living God. You're the anointed child of God. You're the Messiah. You're the Messiah. In other words, Peter understood who Jesus was. And when we understand who Jesus is, and we understand the new birth, then we, and we understand that when we were born again, that we come into one fellowship, that we become birthed into Christ, engrafted into Christ, and that we are uh, members of his body and that we are to do the work of Christ when we understand that, that he is the Messiah, he is the son of the living God, then Jesus had this to say. 
and in verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. The Bible says that no man comes to the Father but by Christ. The Bible says that no man comes, essentially no man comes to salvation unless the Father woos him. Unless the Father woos him, unless the Father calls him. Well, the Father's calling all of humanity. But we have to respond to that. And so he said, so he, what he was saying is when you get the understanding of Jesus Messiah, that understanding does not come from the mental mind. That understanding comes from the Father speaking to the Spirit. And that's what he said. He's, in other words, it went from head knowledge... Because Peter had heard about Jesus. Peter had heard about the Messiah all the days of his life. But then he met the Messiah face to face. And, so he, to and he spent three years with him. Right. But in the beginning, you know, he, this is somewhere in the middle of the three years. And in that, uh, Jesus said, Peter, who am I? And Peter had to determine, well, is this Elijah? Is this Moses? Is this a prophet? Is this a devil? Am I following a crazy man? Am I following a false Jesus? Uh, how or much you know, Peter, Peter had to make that decision, and Peter said, because there was something on the inside that said, no, he said, you're the son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the chosen one. You're the one we've been waiting for. See, when you get that revelation, when you get that revelation, then you can begin to do things in the might, power, and authority of Christ. That's when your dominion begins to grab hold. See, see, Peter fed on the scriptures as a child until right. he until he got older, and then he met Jesus. Right. And then he fed on Jesus, the actual Word. Right, made flesh. Made flesh. He fed on him for a certain amount of time, and then he got that. It, it what what he was feeding on. Be, how much you know you are what you eat. That's right. What he was feeding on became a part of him. That's right. It became knowledge to him that he could then speak out. Just like Kathy spent 12 years studying medical knowledge so that it became a part of her. Now and, here's then, the deal. and then she could practice that. Now here's the deal. After the 12 years, she didn't stop studying. No. She still studies every year. She has massive hours she has to get in every year. But how much, you know, if we spend a, a certain amount of time of our lives studying this, it becomes a part of us. Right. And when it becomes a part of us, it becomes powerful and revealing. And then we can spread that word to others. So he says, uh, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you um, unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, Jesus is, getting, Jesus is fixing to declare something. Jesus is fixing to say something. And he said, that thou art Peter, or the little rock, and upon this rock will I build my church. Now, people not understanding spiritual things took what Jesus said literally. And they built a church based on Peter and not Jesus. But that's not what Jesus was responding to. Jesus was responding to what uh, the Father had revealed to Peter. He was going to build his church on the revelation that Christ is the anointed 
Messiah, the anointed Savior of the world. He's the Son of the living God. He said, he's, now let's check this out. He said, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell, and I can read it this way, and the gates of sickness and disease shall not prevail against it. Not, now here's the deal. Notice that it, he said, upon this rock I will build my what? Church. church. He didn't say, upon this rock I will build my world. He said, upon this rock I will build my church. church. The church is, the, is what uh, the, the gates of hell will not prevail against. The gates of hell are going to prevail against those that are outside of the church. The gates of hell will prevail against the churches that are following Satan and not God. But the church that has the revelation that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, and that we are to live and move in him and through him, and that we are to be just like him by the, by the Holy Ghost on the inside, that's the church that the gates of hell, that's the church that sickness and disease will not prevail against. But Jesus wasn't done talking. Verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. If you have keys to something, how much do you know? You have all authority, power, might, and dominion. Right? If you have keys to the church, don't you know you can come in and take advantage of the things in the church? Right? If you have keys to your house, don't you know you have the right to go in your house and get in the kitchen and get in the cupboards and get on the TV and whatever's in the house, you get to take advantage of it, right? Why? Because you have keys, right? Well, guess what? Jesus said, if you understand that I am the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior of the world, that I belong to God, if you understand that, if you grasp that, if you grab that into your heart, then you have the keys to heaven. You have the keys... Not only to have, you have keys not only to heaven, but the whole kingdom of heaven. Well, guess what the whole kingdom of heaven? Everything spiritual. Everything spiritual, of, the, the, of good things. Um, he, said, he said, basically the spirit realm. Basically what you have is the keys to the spirit realm. You have the keys to the spirit realm. And then he, and then he tells you, because there's a colon right there, and he tells you how to use your keys. He tells you how to use the keys. And he said, and whatsoever. Don't you know sickness is a whatsoever? Mm -hmm. Sickness is a whatsoever. I don't care what the sickness is. Heart condition, lung condition, eye condition, leg condition, spine condition, mental condition, emotional condition. How much do you know? It's a whatsoever. He said, whatso, and it's brought on by uh, by Satan, and it's brought for the purpose of destroying. He said, whatsoever, so I, we can say this, and whatever disease or sickness thou shalt bind on the earth shall be bound where? In heaven. In heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. How much do you know? Health and healing, wholeness, is something uh, that can be loosed. It's a whatsoever. Health healing, stability, financial security, a healthy mind, a healthy body, healthy emotions. That's a whatsoever. 
So what we have to do is we've got to get the word down in us. We've got to eat the word that to, to the point that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that no sickness can attach itself to us. We got to get the word in us to know that the blood of Jesus has washed us completely free and completely clean and no sickness has any right to attach itself to our body. Amen. Then when we get that revelation, when we get the revelation that health and healing belongs to us as much as our salvation belongs to us. When we understand, when we come to the point that when we to, when we begin to understand that when we got saved, we got made whole. When we come to understand that when sozo, remember, sozo, sozo is the word, uh, the Greek word for saved, and it means it means not only rescued but made completely whole, completely whole. Healing is part of the salvation package. This is why people that that are sick and dying and going to hell when they receive Jesus, they'll get miraculously healed, because it's one, it's all it's all a package deal. But in our mental mindset, because we have, and I love my doctors. I, I, thank, I thank God that God gave doctors wisdom to know how to help us when we don't have the faith to help ourselves. I'm very thankful for that. But at the same time, the wisdom that we have obtained causes us to doubt and, and have unbelief towards God's power to heal. Because we'll be, we'll be quick. we got a phone in our pocket. We'll be quick to say, oh, I've got this symptom. What illness is it? Well, if, you, if all you had in your pocket was your Bible, you'd be quick to say, what scripture attacks this thing? Amen. What scripture attacks this thing? But see, we don't do that because we've got too much knowledge. But it, it, we can lose. So, so when sickness attacks, when sickness tries to attach itself to us, we say, no, if sick, well, but, but sickness has already been attached to my body, and my body's already feeling the effects and has been feeling the effects for years. That's fine. That's the truth. That is the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is there's sickness in the body, and it's affecting the body. The truth is, is that sickness has no right to remain. The truth is, is you can bind that sickness and you can command that sickness to come out and you can command that sickness to go and you can loose divine health and loose divine healing and you can stand upon the word and you can declare and decree your freedom from that thing and it must obey because you have the keys to the kingdom. Now, if you've had this sickness for a long period of time and you sowed a lot of seeds into that sickness, well, I've got this sickness, I've received this sickness, I have this sickness, I, I, I'm, this is it, I've had my destiny. Guess what? You're not going to overcome that with one binding and one loosing. You're going to have to build your faith. You're going to have to build, you're going to have to eat the word and get it down on the inside of you until the point that it becomes real to you. And, and, and as you're doing that, you need to begin to speak, and you need to begin to say, and as the Father says, well, you, or the devil, well, you said it, therefore you've got it. You can begin to say, Father, I know I said that, but I kill that seed in Jesus' name. I kill that seed in Jesus' name. I rip that seed out of the spiritual ground, and I command it not to produce in Jesus' name. Father, I plant the seed of wholeness. I plant the seed of healed. I plant the seed of faith. I uproot the seeds of doubt and unbelief. What do we have to do? As we're feeding on the word, we have to begin 
to speak. Because listen, you can't think something into being bound. You can't think something into being loose. You have to speak. We're created spirits and we must speak. And we're created in the image of God. And God, all, 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 God's power all the time is demonstrated in him speaking. That's right. And if he has to speak for his power to go to work, then we have to we speak. We have to speak. Look at Matthew 18, 18. Because we want, to be, we want to establish every word on at least two scriptures. At least two. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Keep going. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Listen, if you are, if you're, if because of the pain, if because of the struggle, you need somebody to come alongside you and believe with you. God said, "I'll allow it." In fact, in fact, if you get a couple of people get in agreement with you, um, I'll be right there in the midst of you. I'll get right there in agreement with you, and I'll cause it to come to pass. But number, but number one, you're gonna have to do some bonding and some loosening. You're going to have to be in agreement, which means don't go get the lazy Christian that doesn't know the scriptures but just gives mouth service. Go find you somebody that has gotten results in healing before. Amen. Go get somebody that will say, okay, what scriptures are we standing on? Come on, let me meditate on this a little while. Let me get my, let me get my faith in line so that we can get an agreement. Let's, get this, let's start speaking to this thing. Let's start talking to this thing. And as you do this, you will be healed. One last scripture, Luke chapter 10. All right. Luke chapter 10. Now you have, to, you have to get the word inside of you. And there's not really a time limit on how long that takes. Mm -mm. You basically have to eat, breathe, speak the word scripture. until it becomes a part of you. You just have to meditate and honestly, how long it's going to take depends on how much doubt and unbelief you have. Amen. And how much time you spend being a doer of the word, actually eating the word from a spiritual standpoint. Look at verse 17. or I mean, verse 18 and 19. Verse 18 and 19. These are the words of Jesus. All right. Behold, I give unto you power. Uh, you didn't do verse 18. Oh, okay. And he said unto them, I, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Listen, Jesus told you, Satan has already fallen. He's already defeated. He's out there. He's, he's, Satan's done. Now look. Now, let, now let's move on. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. That's it. He's given you all power, authority, might, and dominion over all sickness disease it cannot hurt you but it has no legal right to hurt you but you are going to how much do you know criminals break the law criminals break the law that's what they do that's why they're called criminals is because they break the law satan is a criminal he has no legal right to put sickness on the believer but he's going to come as a criminal and put it on you if you're letting 
If you'll open the door to him. If you'll open the door to him. If you'll, and sometimes you may not even have an open door, but you're gonna, but he's gonna, he's gonna put it on you. Yeah, if you can't to go through the door, he'll go through the window. He's gonna put it on you to bring you to a point where you do sin, and he does have legal rights. So, we we just have criminals break the law, but the criminal has no legal right to do what he's doing. And we have to enforce the law. How much you know if a police officer walks up to you and just stands in front of you? You're in the middle of breaking the law. You're in the middle of killing somebody or robbing somebody or breaking something. And a cop just walks up to you and stands there. And doesn't identify himself. And he's not wearing his uniform. Maybe he does have his uniform on. But he comes up to you and he walks and he just stands in front of the criminal. You think the criminal is going to pay any attention, any attention to that officer? No. He's, he's, uh, no Maybe. The officer's not Maybe. doing anything. He just walking. He, the officer's just watching you. How much you know? That criminal's going to do one of two things. He's going to keep breaking the law and beating or killing or maiming whatever he's doing, or he's going to turn and beating. Or he's going to go after the cop. He's going to go after the, after the cop. But if the cop comes up and the cop says, uh, because the cop knows the law and he knows he's breaking the law, and the cop comes up and says, police, stop. In my, because, because how much you know, he has the authority to tell that criminal to stop. How much you know, a lot of times that criminal, if he's standing right there, that criminal is going to stop and desist. If you watch some now, of the older cop shows, they'd always say, halt in the name of the law. Right. That was their authority. The law was their authority. That's right. That's right. Stop in the name of Jesus. How much do you know? It, it, you know, sometimes that criminal is going to attack the officer. But how much do you know? That officer has the authority the power, the might, and the dominion to subdue that criminal. Guess what? So do you. But how do you exercise that authority? You have, have to, to speak, speak it. it. And before you can speak it, you've got to know that it belongs to you. So if we'll eat of the word to the point that it just comes up out of us so that we know that it's in there, then and as we're doing that, if we'll begin to speak to sickness and disease, Healing will 100% without fail manifest itself. Will. It beca why? Because, the, because it has no other option. No other option. Glory to God. Well, I preached myself hot and happy once again. <laughs> hot and happy once again. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've got a tithe or an offering, we're going to go ahead and do that. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. You want to... Bless it. Sure. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for teaching us and, and revealing your, your, yourself to us, the, the mysteries to us. We thank you that, that you want us to be, have the abundant life, and you want us to be healed, and you want us to be whole, but we have to get that inside of us. We have to get your word and your, and your scriptures. We have to get it inside of us till it becomes a part of us. And, to, and when it becomes a part of us, then our faith will go into action and we will speak it out of our mouths and things will happen. And Lord, we thank you for that ability. We thank you for, 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 for teaching us this and for helping us to stick with it and to meditate on it throughout the week and throughout the days to come until we get it, Lord, until we have it and it becomes a part of us. Thank you, because when, we, when it becomes a part of us, nothing in this world can stand against us. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Lord, we we know that your uh, that that your kingdom here on earth is is in the physical place, and that 
and that you that you require of us a portion of our finances uh, so that your work can be done here on earth. And we give gladly and with a joyful heart because you gave unto us first and so much more. You made us well able to do the things that we do in order to get that money. So we give and, and justly and rightly to back to you a portion. And we give it with a joyful heart. We ask that you bless this in the name of Jesus and you bless it so that it, it goes farther than we could ever ask, hope, or think to doing the work of your of doing your work here on earth. Thank you, Father. Now, Father, I bring before you Miss Ann and Miss Kathy. Father, they're both tithers and they're both givers. So, Father, they have both tithing rights and sower's rights. And, Father, both of them are having medical procedures tomorrow. Now, Father, we know that there's an issue with the insurance on Kathy's side. But, Father, we command the angels to go and to cause her to have favor with the insurance, to cause her to have favor with the doctors, and to cause the clearance to come through first thing in the morning with no delay in Jesus' name. Now, Father, in both, for both Miss Ann and Miss Kathy, we thank you for traveling, mer traveling mercies, that there'll be no one, uh, that they'll have clear pathways in front of them, behind them, on both sides of them, no hindrances, no delays, and no issues. Father, that they'll have no mechanical issues. They'll have safe travel. They'll arrive on time. And, Father, that everything at the, at the, medical, at the medical facilities will go smoothly with no delays. And, Father, we thank you that your hands will be upon the surgeons. And, Father God, that, they'll, that everything will go smoothly, that they'll have supernatural no wisdom, supernatural knowledge. They'll know exactly what to do. They'll, if there's any issues or anything going on that needs to be found in Kathy's part, Father, you'll reveal it to them in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for steady hands for both doctors. Father, we thank you for perfect eyesight for Miss Ann in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you, I ask for, and I thank you in advance that neither one of them will have any complications. They'll have no lagging issues due to the procedures. But, Father, it'll be a supernatural recovery that will even make the doctors say, hmm, maybe there is a God. <laughs> and so, Father, I thank you that your hand is working not only in the doctors, but in the nurses, the CNAs, the administrators, every person associated with them. Now, Father, also, because those doctors are taking care of them, you'll give those doctors supernatural wisdom, knowledge, and ability, not only for them, but for every patient that they deal with, in Jesus' name. And, Father, we thank you for it. Amen and amen. amen. You may serve the people. Glory to God. Glory wow. to God. Yes, we can lay hands, but you don't always have to lay hands. You just got to pray in faith. And both of them 